Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A man, 18, was treated at York Hospital Saturday for face scratches he told Helen Township Police he had sustained when attacked by a green-haired monster. It was crazy. I mean, it didn't make any sense. There's definitely what I feel are Bigfoot's in this area. Don't look behind you, I'm told. Don't look behind you, I'm told. A supposed wild man was seen in the hills near here on Friday. A man, 18, was treated at the hospital for face scratches he told Helen Township Police he had sustained when attacked. A supposed wild man was seen in the hills near here on Friday. There's definitely what I feel are big footsteps. It's crazy. I mean, it didn't make any sense. 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 They claim that our eyes were just to be created a slightly different from what they are. We talk, we see things are. Welcome to the Strange Familiars podcast. We cover a range of topics from the paranormal to cryptids to the occult to mythology and folklore. Some of our shows will be presented over multiple episodes while others will be one-shot features. We do our best to put out new shows every other week. I'm Anthony Hoskin. And I'm Timothy Renner. Please make sure to like and subscribe to us wherever you're listening, whether it's on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other service. Also, if you could leave a nice comment, that kind of helps the podcast get in front of more people. 
And if you have any idea for a strange story you would like us to cover, or if you have experienced something strange yourself, please contact us by email, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars. If you like what we're doing, please consider becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. That link will also be in the show description. We have lots of different subscriber levels, offering things like buttons, vinyl stickers, t-shirts, signed copies of our book. There's lots of stuff there. Even at the $3 a month level, you get bonus content. We're doing uh, bonus shows just for patrons. We released our first one right after episode two. Yes, the Mount Nebo monster, which was about a closed geographic cluster of Bigfoot sightings, which which started in uh, the 1800s and with the latest being reported to us in 2011. The more patrons we have, the more content we can offer, both in terms of the regular show and the patron-only content. We'd really like to move this to a weekly show, and more patrons would really help us do that. That's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. Every little bit helps, and we thank sincerely the patrons who have already signed up. episode three most of the research for this episode was done for our book beyond the seventh gate which you can find on amazon if you didn't hear episodes one and two go back and listen uh we'll be here when you get back so this is going to be a long episode we're gonna to have to do a, a recap but we're gonna keep it brief uh for those maybe who heard episode one and two and need a little refresher or in case anyone's starting with this episode we're talking about Toad Road and the Seven Gates of Hell. It's a popular legend from York County, Pennsylvania. It's in various ghost story books and the weird Pennsylvania books and so forth. You'll it, find it in all the books. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anything about strange Pennsylvania, you'll find uh, the story of Toad Road and the Seven Gates of Hell. It's So we, we talked about the story of, of the supposed uh, insane asylum that was supposed to be back on Toad Road, uh, the mad doctor associated with it, and we kind of proved all of these things to be false. They never existed, never happened. But the thing is, when I first moved to the area, I didn't hear anything about the Seven Gates of Hell being located on Toad Road. I heard that they were located in one of two other places, Hex Hollow or, or Ray Myers Hollow, which is in the southern part of the county, or Prospect Hill Cemetery in York City. So we spent the first two episodes going to those places and looking at some of the strange stuff that, that happened there. And we noted that all the locations, uh, Prospect Hill Cemetery, uh, Ray Myers Hollow, um, and Toad Road are all along the Cadoras Creek. So we proved kind of what wasn't there. At Toad Road, we talked about the asylum that burned that never was. <laughs> we talked about the mad doctors that were not mad. So let's address these gates of hell. I mean, people go to great lengths to, to keep the legend, this, this story of the asylum and the mad doctors. 
and and they twist all kinds of things around to make it work for their their kind of vision of, yeah, of what happened. And and I know the the story has like hooks. Like uh, I, when I was on Coast to Coast AM, the, the host kept coming back to this <laughs> the seven gates of hell, the seven gates of hell. Even though I told him, well, again and again, I told what well, well, they're not there. There's no seven gates. It's it's uh, it's just not a thing. But uh, people really, I I realize the story has hooks. You know, people people want this to to be there, I guess, or or they hear the legend and they think it must be there. So they will say things like, "You can only see the gates." in a full moon and people go out at full moon and say, well, I didn't see any gates. <laughs> and they'll say, well, Surprise. You, can, you can only see them on Friday the 13th and people will go out on Friday the 13th and they'll not see gates. <laughs> I've even seen one person that says you have to go out on a full moon on Friday the 13th. You have so, to schedule that in your date book. Yeah. And, uh, you also have to do backflips and, <laughs> You know, uh, say the Lord's Prayer backwards in an upside down mirror or something. <laughs> you know, ridiculous amount of things that that uh, people will go to to tr- to insist that there there are gates there. The other thing I've seen is people claiming that fallen trees act as gates. So, in other words, you have your first gate, which is, there is one gate there. There's yes, a, the old farm gate or whatever it is, the galvanized steel uh, swinging gate they have there. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, plain gate, not a fiery, uh, ornate gate to, to the netherworld or anything. It's very uninspiring, by the way. That gate is not uh, <laughs> doesn't conjure up images of anything special to most, I suppose. Unless you're inspired by posted signs. Yeah, yeah there's no lack of posted signs. So some people claim that these fallen trees will act as gates. And if that's the case, you're going to have to show me which fallen trees because... There's quite a few. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's fallen trees constantly across the path there. About every 30 yards, there's a fallen tree. And we just had that massive storm that knocked down many trees. So there are so many gates back there right now. There's <laughs> way beyond seven. Yeah, far more than seven gates. So we kind of making a little joke here but the end result is that there's not seven gates back there and and anyone who says there is is mistaken or worse lying (laughs) (laughs) but as we talk to people who who went back in the area like in the 70s or so some older people who who were there before this legend of the, the seven gates of hell there does seem to be a gate and this is new information this isn't in the book these are people i've talked to since publishing the book yeah in fact my uncle uh who lived along toad road when he was young it told me about a very specific gate it's not there anymore so we just have to uh take what we hear from others your uncle's a little bit older right he would have yes yes he's uh early 50s so okay so he was a kid in the 70s yep yeah th- that seems to be the the age of most of the people that 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 remember this gate there there seems to be one particular gate and it was a little bit south of the the gate the galvanized gate that we talk about with the posted signs right it was just a little bit south of there from what i can tell there was a gate that they would people would go to to experience strangeness or some people said there were ghosts there and it seems to somehow be associated with a stone house that was eventually torn down 
Yeah, there's nothing uh, back there anymore. There's unfortunately no gate, and that was only one gate. I mean, I don't know where they go after they see that one gate. It's a kind of a Easter egg hunt to find the other uh, six gates. Well, let's keep this one gate in mind, because that'll come up again later as, as we talk about some things. There was this single gate that that people note, but they don't talk about multiple gates. They don't talk about seven gates, and it, to my knowledge, it wasn't a gate to hell. It was just a gate that was sort of a landmark back there for him. Yeah. Um, but we have to talk about what is there, uh, what what people report, what people have told us is back there, what happened, what people have experienced. So let's, let's uh, touch on that a bit. Yeah, and these are the kind of the strange things that people do report back there. And along with these reports, you often see people saying, well, I went back there and I didn't see anything weird, so there's nothing back there. <laughs> I always kind of point out that just because you go back and don't see something weird doesn't cancel out anyone else's experience. If you take something perfectly mundane, let's take a bluebird. I tell you, I saw a bluebird down that path. You might go down that same path five minutes later, and that bluebird's gone. You might go two weeks later, and the bluebird's not there. It just simply means nothing just because somebody went back and didn't experience anything strange. Yeah, and if you want to see the bluebird and it's not there, then you're disappointed and you and you make a bigger fuss about there being nothing there. Right. And, so and so it, what is there? I mean, there's many things that are reported. Right. We get reports of shadows and shadow people, mystery lights, the, the orbs again that we talked about in Hex Hollow, black the, dogs. The common black dogs associated with many strange uh, phenomena in, in many places around the world. Sometimes we get ghost reports. Ghost. Not the victims of the burning asylum. No, that's that's the really interesting thing. The most common one is the ghost of a little girl that either oh. meets people in the woods there or warns them away from the area. But I don't think many little girls were, you know, put in insane asylums. <laughs> but she wants you out of there. <laughs> well, she's warning people. Yeah, but and then we well, there's uh, there's a few other things. Yeah, the the stuff that that gets really interesting and, and ties into to what I found later. People report being paced or stalked in the woods, either something behind them or something pacing them from the side, you know, in the trees that they can't see, just out of sight in the in the trees. They report dog heads too high in the trees which me as a cryptid guy, (laughs) I immediately go to Dogman for that. Who knows? Maybe there's tree-climbing dogs. They report things peeking from the trees, peeking from behind them. And uh, by far, the absolute most often... The screams in the woods. That's the, the report we get more than anything else. talk about Toad Road with Matt and uh, you went back there originally what year? Uh, I guess it would have been about I think it was around 2006. And you went there because you heard stories about ghosts originally? Correct. I had heard uh, just through rumblings I had heard that there was like an insane asylum and uh, that it was a place that was haunted and 
being a young guy, I thought it was something that I'd like to investigate. Um, and a uh, few of us went up there to try to find it. You went looking for the insane asylum, and that was the rumor you had heard, basically. Absolutely. Correct. So you went at night? Yes. Yes. It was probably around, I'd say, 11 o'clock at night. We were a little afraid to go there during the day just because... You know, you don't know if people are going to be seeing your car, so we wanted to go up there and kind of be stealthy about it. Sure. As kids do. Yes. <laughs> so you got there. You were with how many other people? Uh, it was me and my girlfriend at the time, as well as her friend and uh, another friend of mine. So three other people besides me. You went to the gate, which is at the corner of... Trout Run and Ridge Roads, uh, the the sort of galvanized gate there that, that everyone says is the first gate. Yeah, actually, back then it was painted. Um, there was some paint on it. I had seen pictures of it recently, and obviously I'd seen it recently, and it's not. It's kind of metal. It was had like a reddish kind of paint on it years ago. But, yeah, it was kind of hard to find, too, at first because we were looking for Toad Road, obviously, and that's how I ended up finding out through the grapevine that there's I wasn't Toad Road, it was Trout Run. You went back at night and you were hoping or expecting to see ghosts or just you just curious? Um, I've actually been curious just the supernatural in general has just been something that I've been extremely curious about for many years. And uh, I'm not usually phased by much, so it was kinda of one of those things that I wanted to be an investigator. I wanted to try to see what I could see. I wanted to try to experience. I wanted to put myself in positions like that, that I could potentially experience something that I never experienced before. So you arrive about about 11 p.m. It's a clear night, warm, warm night. It was really humid. I remember it was very humid out. Um, it was warm enough because I was wearing shorts and uh, it was it was all but pitch black. When we pulled up, we obviously turned the headlights off, kind of rolled up to the stop and tried to park our car off to the side of the road enough that where it just looked like maybe it was abandoned so in case the cops drove through or anything. But yeah, we obviously, I, I had a flashlight at the time. I had a BlackBerry phone, so I had used the flashlight on my BlackBerry phone. That's how long ago it was. I used the flashlight on my BlackBerry phone to, to, to find the gate and then walk back through. So your whole party goes back through. Correct. I was leading. Um, I was in the front. Uh, my girlfriend was behind me. And then my friend, uh, my male friend was behind behind her. And then my girlfriend's friend was behind her. So she was uh, at the tail end. So why don't you walk us through the sort of events that, that happened, the, the, the timeline from there, uh, in, in your own words. So we all get out of the car. <laughs> Everybody besides me was a little shook up. They were kind of... They were anxious, excited, but they were kind of like scared on the other hand too because it's dark and it, you're walking in the woods, you don't know what you're going to see. And they had heard the stories about the insane asylum and about that it was supposedly back there and it was abandoned. So they were kind of on edge a little bit. I myself didn't really believe it. I go in thinking, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I really want to investigate this though because this is something that I'd really like to, to know if this is true. I remember walking past the gate. The gate, obviously, when I pictured in my head these gates, I figured it was like a gate that you just opened up. Well, 
that's not it at all. It's a gate that goes across, and we actually had to walk around the side of it just to get into where the path was. I remember the path was very, it was kind of grown up over the summertime. We had gotten a lot of rain and stuff, so there was some pretty high grass back there. But we basically walked around the gate, and we proceeded to walk straight back through. Now, with me leading with the flashlight, everybody was kind of trying to be as close to me as, as they could because, you know, they, they couldn't really see themselves. So we're walking straight back through. It must have been a good maybe, I'd say, 10 minutes or so that we're walking. And somebody in the back said, did you hear that? And I, 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 I didn't hear anything. And I'm kind of like, I don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, I proceeded to walk even further and I'd say maybe about a good five to ten minutes afterwards. So now you put the time frame, maybe 20 minutes or so of walking. And I hear the loudest blood-curdling scream that I could have ever heard. It sounded like a woman. And it sounded like she was being physically hurt or that she was whimpering, crying but it was the loudest scream I think I've ever heard in my life. The second I heard that scream, I started to hear footsteps and people freaking out. And here I turn, and my whole party is running back towards the front of the gate and leaving me stand there in the middle of the woods. My first impression is, oh my God, this is a woman. She's hurt. I need to find out what's going on. I need to find her. Like, this this isn't this is not okay. And I remember I was back there for another 10 or 15 minutes before I returned back to the car, just searching the close proximity of the area where we were at to see if I could see anybody or find anybody. And I, I could not find anybody at all. And what was odd to me is right before the blood curdling scream, right before I heard this loud lady scream, it was almost like the forest went dead. I like the the crickets, the locusts, like everything stopped. It was literally like this it's it was almost like you could hear a pin drop at that point. And then right it was literally maybe 10 15 seconds beforehand and then that's when the scream happened. So that was kind of odd to me that that occurred. And after about like I said maybe 10 15 minutes of searching to try to find what this was, I proceeded to walk back to the car, kind of feeling a little on edge, like, did I just leave somebody hurt in the woods? You know, like, I kind of felt bad. Did you think at all, like, maybe this is a scream of one of the ghosts or something like this? Not, the that wasn't my first inclination um, when I had heard that. Everybody that was with me, that was their inclination. They thought, oh my God, this is a ghost, this is a ghost. You said the the insects and everything went quiet. Did you notice anything else? Any 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 other movement or any anything? No, it was it was seriously completely dead quiet. Um, so after the rest of your party runs off, you don't hear a, another thing. Nope. Did the insect sounds come back? Do you remember? Yes. The actually once after we heard the scream and I kind of my. It regained my bearings of my party basically leaving me stranded in the woods it, there was like a there was a pause maybe about a 30 45 second pause where it was still kind of quiet and then I started to hear like the forest come alive again like you would 
like it would be like if you would walk into a forest at 12 o'clock at night and you'd hear the rustling around the movements of animals and bugs and everything um but the sounds did return absolutely all right thanks for telling your story i think it's a it's a great bit of evidence Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at talking about screams then we have to ask well, well what screams in the woods and there are certainly natural things that scream in the woods yeah you know coyotes uh foxes owls sometimes sound like they're screaming porcupines <laughs> porcupines yes porcupines will sound nasty yeah so there, there are certainly natural things that, that scream in the woods but as a cryptid guy <laughs> as a bigfoot guy Tim is definitely a Bigfoot guy. I immediately go to Bigfoot. I shouldn't say immediately. I'm, I'm certainly willing to accept that not every scream people heard back there is, is a Bigfoot. Maybe some are. I, and I say that because of, of some other things. Yeah, what, what we're talking about here, we're talking about Bigfoots because they, it, what's happening fits into certain other reports of Bigfoot sightings and what people report. I myself, not being a Bigfoot guy, uh, wouldn't have made this connection, but we'll uh, we'll follow Tim with this one. With the, uh, it does tie in. Yeah, I, I feel it does. So as I, I started to look at things, I, these people reporting things following them, Bigfoot behavior. They're reporting things pacing them in the woods, Bigfoot behavior. They're reporting things peeking from the trees, Bigfoot behavior. And the screams. Yeah, uh, Bigfoot behavior. The very interesting one, uh, the woods going quiet, that is often reported with uh, Bigfoot sightings. Right, and Matt reported that with his scream as well. I mean, the woods don't tend to go quiet. All the insects stop, all the birds stop singing. Yeah, when when foxes scream, it's not like everything goes quiet. For In the fact, foxes. it might warn things and make them on edge and kind of more flighty and end noisy. Sure, yeah. But we're heading into weird zone here. <laughs> <laughs> Beware. So given that we're talking about now paranormal things, if not supernatural things, I think it's a logical question to say, well, why Bigfoot then? Why not, why not ghosts? You know, if people are saying it's ghosts, why are you saying it's Bigfoot? And here, here we get a tie-in. It's it's something that you found, and something. It's a, a Pennsylvania legend. So let's make this connection here with the hide behind. Right, and this took me back to the very beginning. That very first thing my wife said to me: "Don't look behind you on the toad road." That's the earliest snippet of a legend I heard about Toad Road. There, was, there wasn't much else to her story, but it stuck with me. So as I'm digging into these Pennsylvania legends for the book, I'm trying to you know find connections, I run across this creature called the Hide Behind. And the Hide Behind was 
something that the Native Americans told the Europeans about when they got here. I'm sure they had their own name for it. The you know the hide it's behind is very much an English name. Sure, and whatever they called it is lost to time. But this was something that you were to be aware of. It was it was it sounds almost uh, like a shy creature. The hide behind. It's, yeah, <laughs> but it would follow you through the woods. It would stalk people, and they said only the bravest should be the last in line. Because only the bravest could be relied on to never look behind. Yes, don't look behind you at all costs. When I read that, it, I went right back. I went, aha, there it is. That's the legend. And it ties in this Toad Road legend with this older Pennsylvania folklore, far older than Dr. Belknap, far older than even insane asylums in general. It goes far back. To when the Europeans first arrived here. I'm sure it goes back to when the First Nations people mm-hmm. were here before they ever told Europeans about it. The other thing that the hide behind did was it snatched people. It would take them and they would never be seen again. And this too is something that is sometimes ascribed to Bigfoot. I'm going to go ahead and say that the hide behind is a local name for a Bigfoot creature. It has enough of the behaviors that are associated with Bigfoot where I'm going to say that, you know, this is this is just an alternate name for Bigfoot. Yeah, I would say that the, the patterns and the reports are exactly the same as, as what happens with Bigfoots. So given this, I started looking into newspaper reports. And I did find some pretty interesting things in regards to Bigfoot. Now, you have to remember, historically, the name Bigfoot was not common currency until maybe the late 1950s, maybe even later than that. It was used in the 1950s for the first time. I think it it probably really didn't become common currency until the late 60s, early 70s. Sasquatch was not used. Old newspaper articles, they called them wild men. The following story, they talk about Accomac, just to note, that's a few miles away from Toad Road, maybe maybe not even a few. Yeah, and the Accomac has its own stories. I mean, I believe it, there's reports of hauntings there, and it's it's known locally to be a haunted place. Right. Once again, we have something where we have these strange reports occurring together. Very close. The area in general is the Helm Hills, where both Toad mm-hmm. Road and the Accomac are located. Yep. Wild Man Causes Excitement at Accomac, Marietta, Pennsylvania, June 16th. Considerable excitement prevails on the other side of the Susquehanna River as a wild man was seen by a number of parties. He was last seen near the summer resort, Accomac, by one of the proprietor's daughters when he ran her into the house. The man was nude and had a long beard. Parties are hunting all day for him. Harrisburg Telegraph, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, June 16, 1913. Wild Man at Accomac. Human being entirely nude inhabits River Hills. Chased Girl. Accomac, June 16. 
A supposed wild man was seen in the hills near here on Friday by a daughter of Leonard Waller, proprietor of the summer resort at this place. She was badly frightened by his appearance. While walking near the water's edge, she observed the bare foot of a human being, and upon approaching it, a man, entirely nude, arose and chased her into her home. A search was made immediately, but no one could be found. Yesterday, he was seen in the hills by several visitors from the lower end of the county, who spent the day there. The York Daily, York, Pennsylvania, June 17, 1913. A man, 18, of Columbia RD2, was treated at York Hospital Saturday for face scratches he told Hellam Township Police he had sustained when attacked by a green-haired monster on Trout Run Road in Hellam Township about 5 a.m. Township Police said the investigation did not reveal any facts relating to same. The York Daily Record, York, Pennsylvania, December 4th, 1973. So we talk about me being the Bigfoot guy, <laughs> and uh, I'm not the only Bigfoot guy. I um... he's the only Bigfoot guy in this room. <laughs> I'm not the only guy who thinks Bigfoot might be out in that area. I met another Bigfoot researcher. He doesn't like to call himself a researcher. He, he says he's a enthusiast, which <laughs> that's fine. That works. I met him on Toad Road, and we saw some very interesting things, including uh, a huge tree break. They call them tree breaks. It's, it's sort of a, a formation. Yeah, formation from, of the broken trees. Yeah, it's this was a huge X, and the very interesting thing about this was the roots were up. So this is a, a big tree that, you know, no single human could have, yeah. could have, where the roots were up and it was made into an X formation. All right, so we're here right off of Toad Road by the Cadores Creek. I don't know if you can hear the creek in the background. I came out with Jeff to look at some tree structures and and some other things that, that he's noticed in, in the woods out here. So do you consider yourself a Bigfoot researcher or just an investigator? How do you how do you put it? Um, I guess I don't really put a title on it. I'm a Bigfoot enthusiast. How's that? Very good. That's fine. And uh, you started coming out here after uh, you you heard me talk about it on another podcast correct i heard you on a podcast and then i looked you up on facebook because i knew the area and the stories were fascinating and then when i checked the area out there's definitely what i feel are bigfoots in this area i see enough physical evidence of it i haven't seen one here but i definitely see physical evidence of it and there's plenty of fresh water and game back here for them and it's pretty isolated considering where we're at so yeah i definitely uh i'm convinced they're back here 
And that's based on the tree sign and, and just and other signs that you've seen? or Yeah, it's based on tree structures, tree signs, um, just little things that I notice in different woods. And I definitely believe that something's back here, especially with the history going back to the 70s of ghosts or spookiness from teenagers parking at gates and, you know, having beers like teenagers do. And they had some weird stuff happen that sounds to me like Bigfoot. And probably the things they're relating to ghosts, I'm guessing it's Bigfoot making noises. That's been my theory. I mean, when you talk about screams and, and, you know, people talk about things hitting their car or pushing down their car, that doesn't seem like typical ghost behavior to me. Nah, it sounds like something that has hands. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think spirits, per se, can do a whole lot of throwing things i think they might be able to move things but yeah and they, they tend to replay a pattern is my impression right. in, in other words they they seem like they're stuck in time in a sense right and this is something that's actively Ongoing. interacting with people now in in the now you've been looking at this stuff for a while right you've been yeah kind of, about how many years you've been... probably three years now that i've been serious about it mm-hmm. you've been coming out here for about a year yeah, yeah roughly yeah. Um, so you notice new things then when yeah oh when yeah you, when you come out like yeah in fact this thing we're standing next to is a couple months of that and so like you, we said it's little so I really can't imagine the wind broke that little tree considering there's big trees around it to break the wind yeah when and there's also and it's right off that path yeah, right that's yeah. I think that's the old road, and then we have a uh, yeah. rainbow bend right there. There's other, there's a couple leans straight there. I mean, and that's that's across the the road too. Right, like, like we said, there's there's a, a major tree pushed across this road. What, what you say about every thirty yards? Yeah, it's, I mean it's it just seems too much for coincidence. Just every thirty yards. The, tree, and, tree, and I tree, haven't tree. noticed any bear evidence, but that doesn't mean anything. Right. Because I know a bear will push a tree over probably more by accident. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but consistently and across the road, it just seems... It, it, yeah, and that, the, the loop you're talking about right there, I can look and see it looks like another dead log holding it down. Right. Some loops are definitely tree falls that hit the tree as it's coming down and and make the loop and that's mother nature but I, I can't imagine they're all mother nature and uh, well the the uh, X formation you showed me just up the way with the the, the root of the tree is up right I mean that yeah the, and, the root didn't fall up no <laughs> and that tree's too big for three men to have put there yeah alright well thanks Jeff yeah. uh, we're going to talk to you more in some later shows because uh, you got some other other places that definitely uh, yeah I'll have, to, I'll have to bring you up by my house and show you my mountain we'll go hike in there sometime and, and we'll definitely talk some more so uh, thanks for talking to me today no problem other interesting thing that I experienced when I was out there with Jeff his girlfriend was out there with us and she said at some point when we were done recording the interview she said I heard a huff kind of huffing sound and she 
pointing the direction kind of across the creek. I was looking in that direction and I saw one of these huge white sycamore trees just moving, waving back and forth in the air. And those sycamores there are huge. Yeah, this this was not the wind. There was no other tree moving. It was one single tree. There was sycamores right beside it that were perfectly still. Of all the times I've been out there, I've, there's a few strange things I've experienced. We, we'll talk about the skunky smell, the, the, the hawk that we found out there. One night when I was out there, maybe heard bipedal footsteps. It, it was... There were three of us out there. Two of us thought maybe we we heard it, and, and one person said he didn't think that's what it was. But of all the, the, the stuff that I've experienced out there, this was the, truly the strangest, this tree going back and forth. So I don't know. What what was it? And you couldn't see the base of the tree. I couldn't oh. see the base of the tree. I couldn't see what was doing it or who. Maybe it was a who. But um, a massive who? Yeah, it would have been someone strong, or maybe they had a, a rope tied somewhere in the sea, or something. But uh, that was by far the single strangest thing I, I think I've seen when I've been out there. It was it was very interesting. So we're talking about Bigfoot and the hide behind and how they are reported to snatch people, uh, people go missing, and you made another connection there. Yeah, I've been reading a series of books called Missing 411. They're pretty popular with people in the in the Bigfoot world, in the strange phenomena world. They're written by David Polites, and it's important to say that he himself says it's not Bigfoot. I don't know if he means it's something along with Bigfoot or if it's not Bigfoot at all or he kind of holds his cards close, close to his, his chest. chest yeah. yeah. But he does point out certain patterns. In some of his cases there are certainly reports of things which seem to be Bigfoot creatures. I I'm trying to think of specifics. There's one where people reported seeing a, a bear carrying a kid over his shoulder like walking upright. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that uh it you know, so maybe who can say, but there's they certainly seem to point to to Bigfoot like creatures being involved or a talented bear. Extremely talented bear. <laughs> <laughs> but Polides has has identified these these patterns that he recognizes in, in these cases of these missing people. And uh, there's several patterns he he has a boulder fields that they occur in and and people being stripped of clothes and stuff. The ones that apply to what we're talking about are first, and, and this may be more of a coincidence and maybe it doesn't apply because it's not really named this than we said that the seven gates of hell are not located there. But he says areas that are named devil or hell have more missing persons cases for whatever reason and he, i think he says there's probably a reason they get named name that for uh one reason or another i could see that i suppose so we have the the seven gates of hell and it's located in hell <laughs> exactly which the hellum has nothing to do with hell 
And I think, unfortunately, that's probably another reason why the Seven Gates legend stuck there because it's called Helm. It's, I think it's someone's name. I think it was someone's name in, from England or something. I'm, I'm not sure, but it, it, it's not hell. It's not named it's, for, for it's, hell. It's probably the name of a mad doctor. <laughs> Don't <laughs> no, start that. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to start a new uh, a new trend or superstition here. I heard on the Strange Familiar podcast that Dr. Hellum was... was <laughs> Was a mad doctor. He was holding insane asylum patients at the Seven Gates. Okay, I changed my mind. We can run with that story, uh, and please attribute it to me. (laughs) The other pattern that applies that Pilates mentions in in these Missing 411 books is that it's very often the person who's the last in line that's getting snatched. And that just points once again right back to the hide behind. Exactly where we have this the, the this the last in line. Only the bravest should be the last in line. They could be relied on not to look behind. Don't but, look behind you on Toad Road. And Pilates is saying, "Here's the last in line that's getting snatched." So, I started to look for missing people in the area. I found. Some hunters. One, more recently, they found him. They said they thought he fell from his tree stand. Uh, you know, you can say maybe he fell from his tree stand. You know, mm-hmm. may, maybe he was taken out of the tree stand. Yeah, and there are many tree stands back there to fall from. So I guess uh, if you have a hundred tree stands, what's the what's the chance there that somebody's going to fall from one? Sure, we'll assume it's high. There's. Another hunter that was found much earlier. Hunter drops dead, York, Pennsylvania, November 2nd. Pennsylvania's rabbit hunting season, which opened today, claimed its first victim. A York man dropped dead near Cadorce Furnace after firing two shotgun charges. The Delaware County Record, November 2nd, 1931. That one is very strange to me. He discharged his shotgun at what, and then he was dead. Right. So it's, you know, maybe that one was a simple heart attack. Maybe. These are maybes. We're not saying these are definitely creature attacks or, or anything else. Maybe he just got really excited about shooting his gun and his heart exploded. And we do have a 61-year-old woman. I'm not going to name her name. But this was fairly recent. Yeah, this was in 2014. It must be hard enough to have a, a family member go missing without you know, some weirdo like me <laughs> Certainly. S- speculating that it's, it's a paranormal thing, that the reason she went missing or something. So I'm not going to say her name. But... She went missing right in the area. She wasn't on Toad Road, but she was very close. She was dropped off on, on uh, what road was that? I believe it was River Farm Road or, okay. or, or Riverview Road. It was, it was one of the roads right close to it. She was going to walk and see the house where she was born in, I think, mm-hmm. or where she grew up in. And she was just never seen again. She just disappeared and was never seen again. We're not saying that's what it is. We're just simply noting there are disappearances back there. There, there are people that go missing. And while I'm relating stories, 
I was contacted by other people to tell me their stories of experiences they had back there. And this ties back to that gate we were talking about, the people from the 1970s, remember? The mysterious gate. Both of these stories tied to that, which again, I found interesting. These people don't know each other, and they both reported some very strange, very similar things. The first was a woman who told me that they were parked back there, and she attributed this to ghosts. She said something which she couldn't see was touching her car, I think banging on her car, pressing down on the back bumper, and I think she even said they, it lifted the back bumper off the ground, the back of the car. Yeah, maybe maybe we're looking at that talented bear again. <laughs> it could be. That's <laughs> <laughs> one heck of, a, heck of a bear that's loose in the area. She never thought Bigfoot. She she, she thought ghosts because of the story she had heard about the area. She said ghosts had, had pushed down on her car and so forth. Another fellow contacted me, and his story is very intense. It took me months to kind of pull the story out of him. Yes, he was very, uh, he had a lot of hesitation in t- relaying the story. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't diagnose him with post-traumatic stress, but it certainly seems he has, if not post-traumatic stress, he's got some form of it, uh, elements of post-traumatic yeah. stress. I can imagine it's a very traumatizing situation for, you know, both the lady who, who thought it was ghost and, and this gentleman. I mean, it's got to be something pretty hard to deal with. And I have to say, this, this guy wasn't a Bigfoot guy either. He described it as a monster. What happened with him is, is he was in his car, and I think he went back to that same gate. Some He, he wasn't at the gate, he told me. I think he said he was near it. But and he saw the gate nonetheless. I believe so. Okay. I believe so. And his car either stalled or he had turned it off and it wouldn't start. Now, again, we have this... Mechanical things failing, electronics failing, batteries draining. Um, well, I mean, we have one near at Devil's Den. There's supposed to be the, the camera's not working uh, situation. Hex so, Hollow, yeah. Yep. And with UFOs, with ghosts, with Bigfoot, we have this again and again. Mechanical failure. So he was sitting in his car for, for a long time until the early morning hours. He couldn't get it started. He said something again was coming up and brushing up against his car and, and tapping on his car, and he couldn't see what it was. Eventually, he said, well, I can't stay here all night. I have to go get help. He left his car, and he said he ran into something hairy and upright. And again, he wasn't a Bigfoot guy. He told me I ran into a monster. That's what he just, that's what he said. I, I suggested to him, I said, do you think it could have been Bigfoot? And he paused. It was a long pause. And he said, you know, maybe it was. So th- it had never occurred to him. He's just not a Bigfoot guy, you know. To him, he ran into a monster. What I like about both of these reports is, is neither one of them were Bigfoot people. They didn't know each other. And they both had these experiences of uh, this sort of uh, trickster being. that, And that, that ties into other Bigfoot reports. And we talked about this before, about, uh, like I said, the being being tricky and, and kind of teasing. Yeah, or, or frightening. Yeah. I know what you're saying, because the reports of Bigfoot, like, tapping on windows and stuff. Yeah, knocking on, or even on the roofs of houses. Yeah, climbing on the roofs, tapping on windows, hitting the wall. This is something that's, what, 
eight to ten feet tall and and guess the weight what seven eight hundred pounds maybe? i have no clue we we had that one report that we talked about in either episode one or two of the, the thing growing to be uh was it 15 feet oh that was in the patron episode yeah oh, yeah i'm sorry so yeah. so those that are not patrons do not know this information i apologize for that <laughs> become a patron you can at patreon.com <laughs> forward slash strange familiars you Please. can hear all about it but yeah it, i mean so i'm guessing you know what seven hundred pounds, eight nine feet tall creatures supposed to be muscular. If they wanted to put their hand through the window, or yeah. probably even through the wall of most houses, <laughs> they could. So why why do they tap on the windows? So yeah, there is a there is a a trickster element. Absolutely, I agree with this. However, this fellow got out of his car and making his way through the dark, and like I said, he he ran into something which he described as a monster. This creature, whatever it was, beat him down. I mean, he he went to the hospital with a head injury, and he was in the hospital for over a week. The police were called, and here's where the timeline gets fuzzy for me because I I haven't been able to sit down with him and get a a firm timeline. So I don't know whether the police met him at the hospital or or how the police were called, how they, they, they got out there. Certainly no cell phones at this time. This is in yeah. the 1970s. The The police arrive, and they're taking his report. And they told him at first that he ran into a man that was dressed in skins. Yeah, or or even stranger. Uh, they suggested maybe it was a cow. Yeah, a cow. This we have a lot of talented animals in this episode. Talented cows. <laughs> Ang- angry cows that are beating people up. <laughs> I hate when that happens. Mad cow. (laughs) (laughs) Interestingly enough, this is not the only Bigfoot report in York County where the police tried to convince someone that it was a cow. It was a cow, and the person was firm on what they saw. The fellow in question here, he grew up on a farm. He was living on a farm at the time. He told me, I know what cows look like. This wasn't a cow, and cows don't walk on two legs. He was taken to the hospital, and the police went to retrieve his car, mm-hmm. which started for them. But the back door had been open. So something with hands had opened the door. And we don't know the timeline for it, so we don't know how long the car was there? I don't know the timeline, okay. no. So the gist of it is the police went back, the door was open. So something with hands or someone with hands opened the door, the back door of the car. And the police were able to start it. The car started for them fine. Hopefully we can get this fellow to come on and, and tell the, the whole story for a future episode. I'd, I'd love to have him on. He's a very, very interesting guy. He has other stories in regards to Toad Road. He told me um, very interesting stuff, including uh, Sentient Mist. Yeah. Which, was that the only time that was reported? I forget uh, what that was. We have reports of that from... Chickie's Rock. Okay, yeah. But uh, not Toad Road. Again, Chickie's Rock, you know, right across the very river. Very close, right? Really. Yeah, from the Hallam Hills. Yeah, and a very interesting story, which uh, I won't relate, but in regards to pears. Yeah, and that, that was a unique story. So hopefully he'll come on and, and we can, uh, we'll do a return to Toad Road episode.
While we're on the, the topic of, of cryptids and Bigfoot and, and the like that I'm attributing to at least part of the story of Toad Road, yeah. there's a picture that's on the back cover of the book, our book, Beyond the Seventh Gate. That Tim took. I took, yeah. Now, I, I didn't realize what I was photographing at the time. I didn't see it until yeah. I looked at the photos. Yeah, you on. didn't focus on it. I almost didn't include it in the book. I didn't know what to make of it myself. None of us did, actually. It's it's a very strange photo. We'll, we'll include it, you know, here in the podcast, in the in the notes or whatever. Or you can you can see it on the back cover of the book. Different people have called it different things. Some people insist it's a dog man. Some people say it's a, some sort of demon, dog-headed demon. I had another fellow who suggested that I, I got a picture of something as it was um, fading in. From a different dimension or yeah, whatnot. Or, or, or coming through a, a gate, so to speak. I don't know what it is. It could have been a tree stump. It's a very creepy-looking tree stump. Yeah, I, I, I'm coming from the more skeptical side, and when I see images, I tend to try to disprove it in every way, as I think is a healthy thing to do. And you showed me the photo, and it's a blurry photo, so I want to say, oh, it's blurry. It's but I can, I you can't deny the the two shining, uh, what look like eyes. The figure is just very convincing. I don't know what it is. I'm skeptical, but it's it's a cool picture. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it's something. Again, I'm very cautious because I know a million people are going to say, you know, it's it's a blob squatch. It's a stump. Maybe it is. I'm not making any claims as to what it is. But a lot of people come to me and and, and like say, "Wow, that's that's something else." You know, you really got something there. I don't know. There are more less interesting photos that receive a lot of high praise. I think this one at least deserves a little. Uh, it deserves to be looked at and and thought about as far as what it is. I still can't make out what I think it is. So who knows? Maybe that was. Maybe that was something. Maybe it was. And again, I didn't see it when I took the picture. I saw. I noticed something on the. It was the left bank of the trout run, which crosses Toad Road. I noticed something kind of dark in the picture, and I blew it up. I had to blow it up, you know, quite mm-hmm. a bit to see it, and that's what I got in the image. So it's very interesting. Who knows? And along with all this cryptid stuff, it's important to note that people do experience other things out there. Yeah, we're talking about the cryptid things, the Bigfoot aspect. We kind of stayed away from the ghost aspect, but there are stories back there. And we're not sure if this one is a ghost story, but it's it's a very interesting story to tell. It's become one of my favorites just because it kind of doesn't fit in neatly. Yeah, it doesn't fit in with anything else at all. Maybe it's a ghost. Maybe it's just a weird guy. Who knows? But so explain it. It's 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 very interesting. Well, we'll let Darren explain it. We're talking with Darren about a uh, particular strange experience he had out on Toad Road. Darren, you uh, grew up around New York, didn't you? Yes, uh, Hellum in my teenage years, and uh, Crayley, Wrightsville, but all around that area. And I guess growing up around Hellum in your teenage years, you you heard about uh, the legend of Toad Road. 
yeah, I'd always heard about it, but uh, I'd for some reason never gone, heard about the, that it was the Seven Gates of Hell, and that's basically all, the only story I ever heard. Might have heard about the Insane Asylum, but back then in the 80s, I think I just heard about the Seven Gates of Hell, but I'd, for some reason I'd never gone there till the night of my story, actually. You told me you thought it was maybe 1987 or 1988 uh, when you went out there and had your experience. Yeah, it was about a year after I graduated in 86. It was like 87 or 88. It was uh, it was summertime. And uh, some friends and I, we, we were over on Hillview Road in Hellam, which is probably 10 minutes away from Toad Road. And it was a Sunday night. It was about 1130 at night, and we were super bored. We had no money. We had no beer, which we liked to drink back then. But the funny thing is we were completely sober this night and just really bored. And a friend of mine, Chris, said, hey, let's go back to Toad Road. You know, I know where it is. And everyone said, yeah, cool, let's go. And uh, it was five of us. Me, Mike, and Chris, they were brothers. We were at their mom's house, and Chrissy, who was the girlfriend of Chris, and her girlfriend, who I don't remember who she was. I don't think she hung out much after that. So it was five of us, two chicks, and three guys in the back of a Plymouth Horizon. We headed back there, and our friend Chris, he was the only one that knew where it was. And I think... We accessed it from the eastern end of that loop, which is off Drook Valley Road, which I think is Trout Run Road. If you came in on the east side, that would have been uh, probably Range Road. Yeah, and it's kind of just like a big horseshoe that goes back through the woods, right? Yeah, Range Road kind of makes that uh, left turn and becomes uh, Trout Run Road. Kind of makes a U there. Yeah, and... I only know that now. I'd never been back there, and it was in the middle of nowhere. I don't think there was there was not any developments or anything. It was it was seemed like it was in the middle of nowhere, really, right in the middle of the woods, no houses. But uh, I'd gone back there a few years ago and took some pictures, and that's when I got kind of got the lay of the land. So we accessed it from the east, the east side there. So this probably about almost midnight on a Sunday night, and uh, everyone's sober, five people in the car, and we're cruising down this, not a dirt road, more like a gravel road. It wasn't paved, and uh, we were doing a big left-hand loop coming around to that second corner, which I know now is where the gates of hell are. Yeah, that's the end of uh, the closed part of Toad Road. So um, as you make that left there, you go you go right by the corner where the uh, so-called Seven Gates of Hell are. Yeah, and this was my first time there, but I do remember, I remember it very well. So we're taking that broad left-hand corner, and as we come around, right there at that corner where the, the gates are, there was a, I guess that was Toad Road where they had it cabled off like to keep people out like two big metal posts in the ground with a big cable hanging there now it's a galvanized gate but uh before 
it was, uh, as you said, I think just a, a cable across the road. That, that was the end of Toad Road that they had closed in uh, 1972. Yeah. We came around that corner, and I hadn't seen any houses or anything. I mean, we were definitely in the middle of the woods. I don't think any of that was built up back then in 1987 or whatever. Well, it's dark out there now. I can imagine uh, in 1987, it was even less built up. I'm sure it was even more remote. So we come around the bend. We come around that corner, and the high beams, there's a guy. There's a guy sitting on that cable that's blocking off that old road into the woods or whatever. And our, our high beams were right on him, and... He was wearing a white suit, white shoes, white dress shirt, with spiky white, spiked up white hair. Not as high as your illustration, but your your illustration captured him perfectly, dude. When I saw that, I freaked out. I'm like, oh my god, that's the guy. But you you were you took some freedom with his hair. It wasn't that high, but it's it's great. And I mean, you totally nailed it, man. I was like freaking out when you sent me that picture. I'm glad I was able to get uh, at least close on that. I'm, I'm glad you like it. We'll go ahead and put that illustration up uh, with the podcast for people to take a look at it. You should, bro, because it, it really captured it well. Like, I was really impressed. So, as soon as we came around the corner and saw him, the, girls, the girl driving freaked out. The other girl was screaming. We're kind of yelling. And our headlights are right on him. And... She just like punches the gas and she's like sliding sideways through this corner and the headlights are on him. I mean, we're literally almost shooting stones on him and he's just sitting there with his hands on his knees and he was just staring straight ahead and never looked at us once. Never moved, really. I watched him the whole time and we're freaking out in the back. We're like, go back. Like we flew past him and the guys are like, go back, go back. We got to ask him what the hell's going on. Cause he looked like a, a, a real person. It didn't look like a translucent ghost or anything like that. But of course the girls are like, you, we're not doing that. And yeah, dude, he never flinched. It was crazy. I mean, it didn't make any sense uh, on a midnight on a Sunday night. That someone would be sitting in the woods dressed like that? I mean, yeah. Who's going to go out to the middle of uh, Helm in the woods on a Sunday night at midnight and just wait just in case some kids, you know, happen to drive by? It seems very remote that it could be anyone playing a hoax. And the fact that he just didn't move is very eerie. It's very strange that, that he would just sit there, not move, not shield his lights from the high beams. And just stare straight ahead when you when you drove by. It's very, very strange. Yep. And I'm telling you, Tim, this is real talk. It was as real as anything. We came around that corner, and it just doesn't make any sense because there's no houses anywhere. It was like we were in the middle of the woods. And even if you were pranking someone, like it wouldn't be possible to not flinch as a car is like sliding past you in the middle of the woods. Like, all, we almost, I mean, we could have hit him almost. He was probably like five feet from the car, not even, maybe four feet. I remember looking at him right through the back window as we slid past, and he never flinched. 
He was staring straight ahead, hands on his knees, just sitting, staring. It just doesn't seem like a prank. It, it like it's impossible to me. He never budged. It's like even if you were pranking someone, it would have been impossible to not like just turn your head and look at this car that's flying past you and spinning stones on you. And with like five people screaming their heads off inside. It was ridiculous. It was my first time to Toad Road. I'm like, wow, man. This is great. And they went, we begged them to go back. We wanted to go back. Turn around. Go back. Go back. And that girl driving was so freaked out. She was just cursing at us. No way. No way. We're out of here. I haven't talked to those guys in forever, man. I'm sure if I got a hold of them tomorrow and said, what do you remember from that night? They would tell you the exact same story. Like it was, I remember it like it was yesterday. I have to say it's, it's, your encounter is one of my favorite encounters that I've collected from Toad Road. The reason is it's um, it's not typical. It's not it's not anything you would expect. It has nothing to do with an insane asylum or any creatures or or anything like that. It's just this odd uh, story of this this strange figure who's uh, who's just staring straight ahead, unmoving. I I just. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite stories, and I'm 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 glad you uh, were able to come on and tell it. I feel lucky that it happened to me. Like I'm like, man, first time to road, us all crazy stuff. You know, it's it's it, but it, it was real, bro. I'm not making any of this up. That if it was the prank, it was the greatest prank of all time. And the guy is like, well, yeah, who who's sitting out in the middle of uh, the woods? in Helm on a Sunday night at midnight, just waiting for cars to come by so they can possibly scare people. It's uh, I don't, I don't think any pranksters doing that. Yeah. Can you imagine like, uh, Oh honey, I see headlights, get your white suit on and spike your <laughs> bro. He had white spiked hair. Your illustration really captures it, bro. Really. It's really what it looked like. Darren, thanks for coming on tonight and telling us your story. Like I said, it's one of my favorites about Toad Road, so um, I'm really happy you were able to come on and share that with us. Thanks for having me. It's an unseasonably, ridiculously warm day in February. The end of February, and it's going to be 70 degrees, I believe. A record high, if I saw correctly. And we're actually standing on Toad Road. This is a, a part of the road that was... For me, undiscovered until today. We we came upon it. We're on the north end. And uh, this would have been the section that ran by the old Flint Mill ruins, which we'll, we'll hopefully have some pictures up associated with the, the podcast of the Flint Mill. This is the section that often goes ignored. I think people people are drawn to the section that has the gate down on the other end. Which is weird because this uh, the historical value is here as far as the old ruins, the revolutionary era ruins and this really nice road that we just found yeah i knew it had to go by here toad road before but i just i didn't find it so you'll hear some traffic go by we are near furnace road it's so cool how this is one lane and then there's stone walls on either side yeah, this is, it's very interesting. It, it does remind me of the other part of Toad Road. It was definitely kind of carved out. So that's why I'm sure this is part of it. This is part of it. Well, I know it was. It was on old maps. I just thought this part was 
taken over by Furnace Road, which is right up the hill from where we are, but it, it wasn't. It's still here. Yeah, it runs parallel to the new Furnace Road. So when people talk about hiking Toad Road, they talk about starting at that gate. Well, they never say hiking. They say they, they go back Toad Road and they, they found the gates or whatever. Wait, is that <clears> the <throat> south side? On the south side. Yeah. They always talk about that. No one, no one ever comes to the north side because there's no gate here. So there's no... I suppose there could have been a gate of some sort with all this structure around here. I'm, yeah, at some point there, there, there could have been, but... Yeah, this place is lined with, with uh, old stone walls, old buildings, all sorts of uh, evidence that there was something major going on here. Yeah, I, this some work a, to be a, done. A center, <laughs> center of industry. Yeah, during the you know Revolutionary War, and after it was a it was a busy iron mill. Unfortunately, now it's the place where all the the trash and litter ends up flowing down the Cadoras. Yeah, it's sad that, that you you can hear the Cadoras probably behind us. At this point, it's it's almost a river. I mean, it's it's a very very large creek. It's all the branches of the Cadoras meet at various areas uh some south of york city and some in york city and some north of york city i believe but as we said uh people who sort of follow the the modern folklore of toad road they are obsessed with the other end and with finding the the insane asylum that that doesn't exist (laughs) or the ruins of the insane asylum there's plenty of ruins up this end uh, none of them insane asylum. This end, uh, to me, is far more fascinating because this is where it led. It led to the furnace. As I said in the book, you know, maybe in some sort of vague memory, maybe the furnace, the like burning furnace, was like hell. You know. Yeah, I and can the, get that. And the the road was w- what led to the the sort of hell and started this reputation for. Toad Road being this this place of darkness and, and it's just so weird how this part is always excluded. This is where people were working. This is where things happened. This is where the fire was, literally. Yeah, yeah. No one wants to to talk about this side. They, everything, all the YouTube videos you'll see about people going back there. It's all the other end. Here's here's a part that I was never on before. So we're gonna proceed. A little bit further and see see what else we find here. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this is the first podcast live from Toad Road. Yeah. Well, recorded live. We're not broadcasting live. We followed it uh, from the furnace. We backtracked to uh, Toad Road proper to the area I previously hiked. I guess I have to confess I misreported that I hiked the whole road in the book. But now you have... We've gotten to a spot with uh, many tree stands. We haven't seen many posted signs. This might be where we have to end. It's overgrown. At this point, you can't see the road, uh, or what was the road, much of it, anyway. It's barely a path. Where did the road go? <laughs> <laughs> little shout out to Soraya there. Yes. Thank you, sir. Where did the road go? But indeed, this this was the road. It skirted the creek for almost two miles. And it's weird to think that such a short stretch of road has come to mean so much to so yeah. many people. 
It's become the focal point of many teens, for sure. I, I'm not sure if we mentioned it in the first episode or not, but some people report that it's eight or nine miles long. Definitely not. No, it's two miles at most, maybe from, from the corner of Range and Trout Run Road where the galvanized uh, gate is, the one and only gate. Yeah. To to the furnace probably. It's not a very interesting gate either. So. It's not. It's if you'd like to see uh, more posted signs than anywhere else in the county in one place, <laughs> it's interesting for that. Although I I drove by recently and it's it's uh, crushed down. Yeah. Something. Yeah, that one night we were there, uh, it was it was crushed. Yeah. Somebody I don't know someone or something with uh, strength <laughs> has. I don't think a galvanized gate is is too easy to crush down. So we're going to make our way back to the Flint Mill ruins, kind of walking back in time in a sense, take the take the road that uh, they would have taken from York. It's so interesting. For, I, I told you, I was thinking, you can just imagine the people with the carriages and, and them doing work, not, not ever thinking that two strange guys were going to be uh, tracing that path, trying to figure out what was going on and reminiscing on, on their mundane days. And were they mundane? And did they ever see things in the woods as they as they uh, went back and forth? Love to be able to go back in time and, and interview some people. We on the way back we came upon the uh, ruins of yeah, a hawk. the ruins of a hawk. Uh, it's something completely tore up a a large hawk. It would have been large by the size of those feathers. Yeah, something something destroyed a bird of prey, and that's fairly interesting. Yeah, unless it was maybe a, a group of crows or something, but it's... Or one of those hunters around here completely blew it up. <laughs> it could have been. But uh, still, more strange finds. Yeah. I mean, it was completely destroyed. As we walk back towards the, the, furnace. the, the furnace and the flint mill, we're getting a, a skunky smell occasionally. Now, it's it's nothing super powerful, but it is like definite sort of sections of, of skunkiness yeah, we're very walking specific through. areas it has me breaking the the number one uh, rule of toad road i'm looking behind me <laughs> on toad road it could just be a skunk but we it's we have to mention all of the the little possibilities yeah absolutely that's the thing you have to just kind of noting anything strange we run into and hopefully the next time we, we uh, turn on the recorder, we're not stinking real bad from being assaulted by a skunk. By a real skunk. Yeah. All right, we'll head uh, further to the furnace. So before we leave Toad Road, let's talk about where did it go? What was its purpose? Where did Toad Road lead to? This is often ignored, I think. And it's a very important aspect. I mean, it's the reason why the road is there, or was there. Right, yeah. I I think originally this road specifically went to Cadoris Furnace. Mm -hmm. It was used as the road from York to Cadoris Furnace. And the Cadoris Furnace still stands as a, it's a looming structure that, that uh, looks out over the road. It's impressive. It I, is impressive. It's, it, to me, it's a bit intimidating. I think w- when you see pictures of it by itself, you, you almost don't get the feeling. But if you see a picture of it with a person next to it, yeah. you get to see 
just how how impressive it is. I said in the book that it's almost like the earth kind of spit up uh-huh. th- this furnace. It's it's very it's earthy. It, it's massive. You can you can tell when people come up upon it, even when you're out there. Yeah, if they've never seen it before, they'll slow down, and and a lot of people you can literally hear them ooing and on and and pointing, see them pointing. I don't know how I did it because it was early on in in my photo manipulating uh, career. I did the photo of of the furnace for the book, uh, the, the one photo that's in the book. And I think, like I said, I don't know how I did it, but to me, that photo represents how I feel about the furnace. It's uh, a bit scary to me. It it has a a feeling. I certainly. I, I, I don't know how to put it without getting too new agey here but there's there's definitely a feeling about the furnace itself yeah and why is that you know why could that be what what would be the reasons for this i i don't know i now this is something that made implements of war for revolutionary Mm -hmm. war and war of 1812 it's interesting to note that a british general sent spies there to, to find it and destroy it if they could three spies right Three and um, two went missing and were yeah. never heard from again. There oh, we had one returns. Two more missing people. Now mm-hmm. whether they went missing in the Helm Hills or, or where we don't know. They you know maybe they were simply killed by by colonists. We don't know. But they but are gone. They're missing. So was it that they were making implements of war? Was then, it that they were making iron? There we talk about. Iron being this this element in so many supernatural stories, kind of the in some cultures the bane of the fairies. Right, it was to keep witches away too. Mm-hmm. So here we have this thing that made iron and no longer makes iron. So now it's a safe spot. No, it's, it's a it's yeah, it's like the poles of the magnet are reversed or something. So maybe it's attracting things to it because there are there are ghost stories associated with the furnace. Mm-hmm. And to me, my theory always goes with with ghost to what happened there, the energy that was there. I think a lot of people have that theory that ghost behavior kind of happens where there were sometimes negative things that happened, but just uh, there was so much energy put in there. There were people working around there all the time, and uh, some bad things happened there. So there's a lot of energy involved with the with the furnace around the furnace it would have been dangerous work they, yes. there were laws passed in the i think in the 1700s where you couldn't sell alcohol within 2 miles or something yeah. of of any iron furnace you don't want somebody drunkenly stumbling into a, a pit of hell but they didn't they didn't regulate anything back then you know what i mean yeah. like so here we have these regulations very early on so so that says just just how dangerous it was we have uh, the recurring stories of the, of the cruel Iron Master. In the case of this one, uh, the Iron Master was said to keep people imprisoned in, in his house or something. Um, so there, there's the cruelty involved. And by the way, that there was a story also reported in one of the ghost story books that a skull was found in, in the, the, the floorboards yeah. of that house. I've not been able to confirm that. To me, if you find human remains, I think that would come up in the newspaper yeah because they supposedly they were refurbishing the house and that's when they found the skull and there are actual articles about the that the uh, iron master's house being refurbished but i can't find any mention of the skull being found the other ghost story i'm not sure if the iron master is supposed to be one of the ghosts it's just you know one of the stories that's told in the ghost story books about the cruel iron master which by the way 
that's something that comes up again and again with these iron with all furnaces. The, furnaces yeah. the cruel iron mess. <laughs> You get the ubiquitous ghost with this one. The woman in white. Yeah, which you find reports of again and again. Everywhere. Are there an army of women woman in white uh, <laughs> uh, that just happened to die and, and, and their, their ghosts are everywhere? One or, in every zip code. Or is this a sort of entity that that, are, that appears that's that's more than, than what it seems? Or, or something that uses the guise of the woman in white for whatever reason? The idea of the furnace just pumping out. I mean, they had to keep the fires lit for yeah. for weeks at a time. Uh-huh. You would have come over the hills and, and just seen probably a glow, if not the, the fires it, like spewing uh, out of it. In darkness, and, and you see just a big ball of fire. It's so dark up there. Even now, <laughs> when, when we go up at night, it is dark. There aren't streetlights anywhere around there. You don't experience darkness like that a lot around here where, you know, there's houses and everything. So to go out there and be in complete dark, you know, you turn off the car, you get out, and you think, this is dark. <laughs> it is, yeah. There's, uh, it's one of the darker places in the county. There's not a lot of light pollution up there. You can see lights across yeah. the river and so forth. But So imagine coming through that, as you said, over the hills and seeing this just giant fire. Yeah, in you know the 1700s or the early 1800s, it's impressive when it's not spewing flame and smoke and and everything else. It, it must have been <laughs> truly a, a sight to see. So, you know, maybe this this becomes hell in 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 people's memories, in a f- sort of folk memory of, yeah. of hell. It was, it's easy to imagine. I mean, that would be impressive and. In- you know, intimidating as it's already intimidating. You add a massive fire to to what's going on back there, and it's easy to imagine that people would associate that with hell. A fire, molten iron, implements of war. It's it's you know quite a a, a menu to choose from. Yeah. There's an interesting thing where. People report cryptid sightings around iron furnaces. Now, this is separate from Toad Road. This is other people have noted this in other areas. We've already said there's ghost sightings around these furnaces. Now, there's cryptid sightings. Why is this? They're also reported in old cemeteries and abandoned places. So maybe it's just that these furnaces are abandoned. Maybe if these things are simple apes in the woods, which I don't believe they, they are, they just want to hide. There's also, you know, with these iron furnaces, there's creeks flowing by because they need Absolutely. water. And the, the cryptids are also reported all the time around bodies of water. Absolutely. So is it is it simply because there are creeks there? Are they attracted to places where, you know, human activity was that isn't anymore? Like uh, they're just interested in, in these abandoned places? Or is there something else? I brought up the question to the Facebook group of a, of another podcast. <laughs> and their answer was that the creatures are eating the dirt mm-hmm. to get the minerals for their diet. They're, they're literally eating the dirt just to get, I guess, the iron that's in the soil. 
I guess if we're going to put one foot in the weird, we might as well jump completely <laughs> in. <laughs> I mean, and these are people who insist it's a, it's a natural animal. These, they don't think it's, it's anything weird about it at all. This is a natural animal that's, that's in, in their mind, eating dirt to get iron in its diet. I, yeah. Toxins and stuff. I don't, I, I don't I, know about that. I, you know, we don't know. We, We're open-minded. We, we can't say. But I just, I don't see a, an animal taking handfuls of, of dirt and, and eating them to get iron in their diet. They're supposed to be meat eaters. I think you get plenty of iron from yeah. a, a meat-eating diet. I'm vegetarian, so maybe I should go back there and eat some dirt <laughs> to pump up the iron in my diet. Go ahead, try that for a little while. <laughs> and, and Twice a day. T- tell me how that works. Yeah. We'll report on that. I'll, take, I'll, I'll measure my doses. Unfortunately, with this, the, the furnace, and, you know, there were probably tragedies that happened there in the course of, of people working there that, yeah. that were not reported. Or it's that, a dangerous job. We just haven't found. There's some other tragedies that uh, have happened in the area. right side odd shooting affair while he stooped to cut a hole in a hog snout a revolver dropped from the inside pocket of the coat of Perlis Gingrich of near Starview, York County, and discharged, the bullet penetrating the young man's breast just above the heart. His condition is serious. The injured man, who is about 22 years old, went to Cadoris Furnace Thursday morning to assist Jacob Wombaugh in butchering. One hog had been killed, and in order to get a grip on its snout to pull it away from the place, it fell. Young Gingrich was using a knife to cut a hole in the snout. As he stooped, the revolver fell from his pocket and was discharged. The New Oxford Item, New Oxford, Pennsylvania, January 23, 1908. body of man found at Cadoris Furnace. The finding of the badly burned body of an unidentified man led to the disclosure today that Elmo G. Snyder, 26, overseas army veteran of World War II, has been missing from his home in Pleasureville for more than three weeks. However, relatives of the ex-soldier said they were unable to identify the charred remains as the body of Snyder. Andre K. de Ribeir, who was horseback riding in the area of Cador's Furnace near the Susquehanna River yesterday, came across the body in a ravine. State police estimated the man was between 23 and 50, but were unable to identify him. A 1950 model car discovered about 200 yards from the body was reported the property of Snyder. Police said the man apparently had been doused with gasoline or some other inflammable substance and then had been set on fire. Coroner Lester J. Sell said Dr. Lewis C. Push, York Hospital pathologist, was scheduled to perform an autopsy late this afternoon to determine the exact cause of death. The Hanover Evening Sun, Hanover, Pennsylvania, February 4th, 1952. 
22-year-old York man found along the Cadoris Creek near Cadoris Furnace Road Saturday was murdered by gunshot, according to York County Coroner Catherine Fornan. John R. Zink of 230 West Jackson Street, York, was found near noon Saturday by Dennis Lanassa and Ron Keach, who were preparing for a canoe race along with other members of the Conewago Canoe Club. The body was dressed in blue jeans, with a shirt and jacket pulled up around the victim's head. A 16-foot tow chain also was draped over the top of the body. An autopsy was performed earlier today, but the coroner's office would release no details other than Zink had died of a gunshot wound. Zink was last seen Thursday afternoon after stopping at his mother's home on his way to work at Coal Steel. According to police records, Zink never showed up for work and was reported missing at 9 p.m. Friday. According to his mother, Zink was carrying a large amount of cash, including his income tax refund and a week's pay. No cash was found on the body, according to Hellam Township Police. The Hanover Evening Sun, Hanover, Pennsylvania, March 12, 1979. York County Girl, 16, victim of assault, is fighting for life. While authorities were attempting to identify the victim of a murder in Shrewsbury Township early Tuesday morning, a 16-year-old Hellam Township girl was fighting for her life in York Hospital, where she was taken after being raped and shot in a wooded area along Codorus Furnace Road. The victim, according to York Hospital, was admitted with two bullets in her body, one in the groin and the other in the chest. She was in the hospital's surgical intensive care unit, and her condition this morning was listed as serious. According to Hellam Township Police Chief Granville LeMaster, Jr., a prime suspect in the case is a red-headed man in his 20s. LeMaster said it may have been the second time the rapist struck in the same area, noting there were similarities between Tuesday's attack and a rape of a 13-year-old girl in September 1979. He said the two assaults occurred within a mile and a half of each other. He said that the first victim was threatened but not hurt after the attack. LeMaster said the victim on Tuesday was dropped off by her father about three-fourths of a mile from her school bus stop on Accomac Road, but that the girl never reached the bus, which she was to have boarded at 7 a.m. Police said the attack occurred in the wooded area sometime between 7 and 9 a.m. A small-caliber handgun was the apparent weapon used by the suspect to abduct and wound the girl, police said. The wounded girl crawled from the wooded area to the road where she was found, still conscious, by a passerby. The Hanover Evening Sun, Hanover, Pennsylvania, April 22, 1981. I found these these articles. I had to look up, you know, just other deaths in the area. Mm-hmm. And it got dark. It's already dark, I guess, with people getting beat up by hairy monsters and, <laughs> yeah. and, and snatched by something, 
mm-hmm. whatever it is, uh, you know, going missing, whether by the hands of humans or, or something paranormal. Yeah, it was dark before we added the monster that is human. It became very real. Mm-hmm. Now, not to say these other things aren't real. They're just, they're so weird, you know, that, that there's an element of... of uh, uh, we don't know what caused them either. With the, with the creatures, we don't know exactly what caused... Here we know exactly what caused dark things to happen right so i hate to use the term real you know and and it became more real but it 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 hit home in in a very serious way because we know what happened and we know it was by the hands of humans really changed the tone of the area for me especially the murder uh the guy was wrapped in chains yeah that was brutal the guy who either burned himself or was burnt. That was intense. The, you know, you have to have a lot of dedication to uh, set yourself ablaze. And and the the story about the the assault on on the girl. I mean, it, in which they say there was another assault in the area. Yeah, it was well. horrible. These are are vicious crimes. All of them. Uh, uh, even the, the fellow who did that to himself. I mean, that's. If he burned himself, that's mm-hmm. that's a wicked way to take yourself out. And we walked right along that road. I did not know at the time. I had not known the story about the possible self-immolation. But now I remember we know where it occurred, you know, on what road, in what ravine. So we walked by it, and now I know this this extremely dark incident happened there. And it's just, it's a bummer. Yeah, it really sort of changed the, the area from this... Oh, isn't this spooky mm-hmm. and interesting? To this is really dark. This is there's a, there's a darkness here, and why why are things happening here? You know, real things happening back here. What's what's? Why are these dark things happening in this already dark spot? Right. Are people drawn there to do dark things in the same way that that these these supernatural things are drawn there? Because there's other remote places in the county for people to dump a body or, or commit a, an awful crime. Mm-hmm. But they happen there. Yeah. It was not pleasant to research. It was not pleasant to read. Um, yeah, I, I, I hesitated to even to even ask uh, Serato to read those articles for us because I just knew just how dark they they were. And, and she's a trooper. She, she had no problem. She's a pro. Thank you, Serata. They're intense. And it really colors the story and makes it very serious so why what why do these these horrible things happen there is it be, is it for a separate reason than the weird things happen there or are they all tied together as we've said in other episodes we're just constantly asking questions endless questions So for our next episode, we will be leaving Pennsylvania. And heading to Indiana. We want to note that we're not just a Pennsylvania podcast. Now, there's a lot in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. a lot to explore. Certainly, it's e- we live here. It's easy for us to, to get to these places. So we will be drawing from, from the wondrous, strange well that of is Penn's Pennsylvania. Woods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Frequently. 
will be coming back to Pennsylvania. But we're, this isn't a Pennsylvania podcast. Yes, this is we very much want to do stories from other places. That's why uh, if you have any strange stories we'd, from other places, we'd like you to contact us wherever you're at. Uh, once again, that's Strange Familiars Podcast at gmail dot com. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts LLC. Music, art, podcasts, books, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music by Stonebreath, which is our band. You can find more at Stonebreath.BandCamp.com Our newsreader for this episode was Serata. How to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.